Welcome back to the Supreme Resort Land V World, a podcast about Disneyland and Walt Disney World and which is the Supreme Resort. Each episode, we will discuss and explore each resort ride by ride, land by land, park by park to determine which is better. I'm your host, Jimmy, and thank you for joining me in this quest to help the greater good of humanity answer this long, elusive answer, which is better, Disneyland or Walt Disney World? Joining me to help find the answer is a very special guest. Jeremy is out on assignment, and while we will miss him in this episode, we're proud to introduce our guest host. You know him from a show called Ears Up Podcast. That's Ears Up hyphen podcast. That's one Mr. Jason Achilles Petros. That's right. How's it going, everybody? It's going great. That's the nice. most Greek name I can think of. So, it is true. And from Dan Hates the Beatles, Dan. Hey, I'm Dan. I hate the Beatles. Hi, Dan. Hi. Uh, so I was listening to the latest episode of Ears Up Podcast where you talked about Disney Plus. We got to talk about Disney Plus a little bit, right? Okay. Yeah, let's do it. And. And you talked about The Simpsons, and there's, you know, you talk about nostalgia, right? And how powerful nostalgia yeah. is. I watched The Flight of the Navigator last night. <laughs> oh, good Lord. <laughs> Have you seen that movie? <laughs> I love that movie. Not within the last, I don't know, 25 years. It's so <laughs> even good. then, it's probably a it's, stretch. It's better is than it, you remember. It, hold, it holds up. That's what you're it telling does. me. It, Let me I, tell it you, okay. you, at the beginning, you think it's a spaceship, but it's not. It's a frisbee. Hmm. It, that's right, because you just you were sold, <laughs> or it's a well, giant dog. Let me ask you a question, yeah, uh, Jimmy. What else do you think holds up? I need comparison from you. So, what else have you seen recently that you hadn't seen in a while that you think holds up? And then maybe I can use that to judge whether or not my you judgment are accurate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, you see what I'm saying? I need I need a, I need a point of reference for that. Yeah, the Shaggy Dog. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't watch all time. I watch. Right. I've got little kids. I watch little kid stuff. I, the Lion Guard that holds up great. I don't even know what that means. Exactly. So was the, was yeah. the Flight of the Navigator the first movie, the first thing that you watched on Disney Plus? Mandalorian was the first thing I watched. Which okay, I mean, yeah, that that tracks. Yeah. Yeah. It was man. I don't know. Honestly, it was fine. I just watched the second episode. Yeah. It's fine. It just it feels like they they they're really anchoring that nostalgia pretty hard, and I don't like that. I don't I don't like. There's a lot I don't like about it, but it's fine. I'm watching it. It's fine. It's it's fine. I think I had my I, th- I had my doubts because I'm a Star Wars doubter after the episode nine trailer. And then I saw Werner Herzog, and I was like, "Okay, something about this will be good if it's only, even if it's just him." Because <laughs> I love Werner <laughs> Herzog. <laughs> yeah. I, all I want to do is talk about a bear now. Like <laughs> Timothy went into the woods to eat the bear, or whatever. It's such know, a great movie. Herzog accent, but um, I don't know, man. It's just, it's just. You know, fine. Like, are we on Tatooine? Are we not? If we are, can we say that? If we're not, can we say that? And if we're not, I don't want to give anything away for for episode two if no one's seen it. But it's just really we have a Baby Yoda guy. Like, there's just all these callbacks, and I don't I don't like it. Take it somewhere new. You have a new platform. You have a new direction. You have a new character. You have a new cast. Let's move it somewhere out of the universe, not back to everything familiar. For just for once, let's try it for once. Let's see what happens. If it doesn't work, we can go back to being nostalgic. But just let's let's 
this introduced we have a whole galaxy, a whole canon of stuff, and we're and we're and we're doing Yoda characters. Really, that's what we're doing. Well, here's here's why I think it's happening, and and I think it's this it's the Batu problem, right? The, I went to Batu in Disney World last week, and I've been to the one at Disneyland, and I think the reason it's not clicking with people is that nobody can relate to any of it except Millennium Falcon, which is just a lesser Star Tours, really. I mean, maybe it's. It's more technologically advanced, but the problem is nobody can connect to it. So this people can connect to is like, I've seen that thing before and I've seen that thing before. So yes, it's nostalgia, but it's also familiarity, which people need, which is why the Lion King is remade and made $1.6 billion. And if they don't, if they don't put Batu in this show or in, in episode nine, they're really dumb. They have to. Oh, for sure. And, and, you know, Taryn, my wife, uh, for those who don't know, been co-host on use up podcast, she thought that the, in the first episode that they might be on Batu, and I'm like, right. I think they they named they named the planet that they were on. I don't think it was Batu, but it did look very similar. I agree with you on that. They really need to put Batu in there and tie it in somehow. But what I disagree with, well, I I sort of agree with the the Star Wars land. Nobody can connect to it. I, I think I've said that on a couple of shows before. It's like. There's in the movies we don't need familiarity. We need to progress the story. We need to progress characters. We need different races. We need we need to explore this entire world. But in a tangible thing that you can hold in your hand, like you know, pretend you can hold Star Wars land in your hand, <laughs> we need familiarity. We need a, right. a, a way to tie us to that thing because as Star Wars nerds, we want to visit these places, and Star Wars land gives us the opportunity. But Batu is not. I mean, I, I guess it was mentioned, or maybe it was in like the Clone Wars yeah. comic, yeah, or whatever, right? It's like, well, okay, that's sort of the same, but not really. So they're sort of reversing it with the TV show. They're going back to nostalgia, but with the tangible parks, they're moving forward and creating a different place. And I think they just have it backwards, right? All right. Well, so moving on. Uh, so Jason, you're an adult. Disneyland super fan, right? That's been yeah. that's been air quote adult. <laughs> yeah. So I want to know, and and I'm sure all of our listeners want to know, how did Ears Up start? Um, it started as really just a a, a a desire to figure out why there were no Disneyland centric podcasts. When we started the show, I'm not even saying. Well, as far as I understand, there were no Disneyland centric. Podcast. There were tons of Disney World ones, but nobody doing something specifically about my parks and the parks that we went to all the time. And we would go like six times a year at this point. It was just insane amount of money thrown at at Disneyland. So that's how we that's how we started, just out of out of wanting to explore the stories and the lore of of the parks that we were going to all the time, and in hopes that somebody would would kind of attach themselves to it. Right. Well, no good. Disneyland podcast anyway at the time, right? I don't I, honestly I don't think there were any. Really? I think there were there were yeah, I mean I think there were Disney World and I don't know cuz I don't listen to a whole lot of podcasts. Uh mm-hmm. so I had I had Taryn. I th- I think you I think Ears Up is the only one that showed up when I searched for Disneyland on a podcast app like Yeah, a few years and ago. and now it's definitely changed, but before we started, I asked Taryn to do me a favor go through and listen to some because I tried a couple and I'm like oh my god there was literally one where this guy <laughs> and I don't even remember the name uh, but if I did I wouldn't say it. it he would just he would like dial into this like voicemail recording service and he would record himself on his commute driving home on his thoughts on Disney World on Disney World or Disneyland 
Disney World, and that really? was his podcast. Yeah, and it's like wow. we're going against stuff like this. It's like why? I, I don't know. I, I for me, I don't understand the the value or the um, ex- escape, I guess, of of doing something like that and not doing it really well. And right. so here at the show, that was one of the things I really wanted to do is is do it well and get the right equipment and get the right people in and really kind of craft a show. But um, no, I think it was a couple of years after we started that I started seeing a couple Disneyland centric places or podcasts pop up. And I was like, okay, we were we were on to something. That's cool. Yeah. Well, you definitely are and were and you know, clearly what how the 6 years later? Um, yeah, about, yeah. So, how did you choose who you chose to help host? Where did you find Terrence? And I know you were dating Terrence at the time. Yeah, I was dating Terrence at the time and um <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, everybody I've on the show I've known for years. Um Terrence I've known forever and he was actually my my original choice to co-host because he has a good voice he has opinions and he likes disneyland a lot and then uh you know taryn of course i I couldn't get out of hiring taryn um she wouldn't let me so uh (laughs) i told her yeah i think i'm gonna start we're gonna start a show and it's gonna be terrence and i and she's like what do you mean what uh, but it uh, i (laughs) want to do what we just you and terrence and so i was like oh i mean I mean, you too. Yeah, us three, the three amigos, and it'll be great. And then later on down the road, we brought Beverly on, and I've known Beverly for, I don't know, 10 years or whatever, and I knew that she would be a good voice for the show. So we kind of all just clicked. Yeah, you did. And you yeah. you mentioned that you hired Taryn. Doesn't that imply payment of some <laughs> kind? Well, um, I get a tiny little fraction of the of our monthly Patreon donors that mm-hmm. I take because you know whatever. And uh, you know, considering we're married, she technically gives gets half of what I make. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, in 130 plus episodes, what is your proudest moment? From ears up, we just re- we just recorded 100 our ep- episode 149. Holy moly! Yeah, yikes. Um, my proudest research. moment? I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, we've had some scoops. You know, we've had uh, the Disneyland gumbo recipe scoop, which wasn't really a scoop. It was a a recipe released in the Disneyland cast member <laughs> magazine, so anybody could have got it. But you know, we posted it first. We got um, there are in fact some real skeletons in Pirates of the Caribbean. Now that could have changed since that article was published. Four years ago, but at the time there were actual real human remains in there. We got uh, exclusively the first photos of the redesigned and poorly redesigned Club Thirty Three before those were released anywhere. So we've we've had some cool moments like that, but probably honestly our hundredth episode uh, recorded live at uh, Downtown Disney at uh, the balcony of Ralph Brennan's Jazz Kitchen. Yeah, there um, was a winner of a contest of that. It was a pretty impressive guy. I don't um, that. So that guy was like a robot. He was insane. That's right. <laughs> uh, so the well, by the way, the re- correct answer is your interview with Raleigh Crump. By the way, that's, oh, that's the correct right. answer yeah, okay. of that proudest moment. Yeah. That so was cool. a link to this show. Jeremy's like a fifth member of Years Up. Jeremy, yes. who's not here today. How did you and Jeremy find each other? I think it was on Twitter somewhere. I think I just was following people, and um, yeah, I don't know. I it was just kind of one of those uh one of those things. Jeremy, you know Jeremy. He's 
he's uh, very outgoing, and he should probably be more outgoing, to be completely honest. And I've told him this. Right. I was like, look, you, you, need to just, you need to just be yourself <laughs> all the time. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Jeremy's super great. I love that kid so much, and I'm very excited to have him on the show whenever he's on. He's coming into my home for our Christmas yeah. episode on the 14th of December, so that'll be a good time. And, um, you know, we'll have, so we'll have a lot of fun. Jeremy's a good time. Yeah, Dan and I look forward to being there, too. That'll be a good time. Thanks for Are you guys invite. coming out? You're oh, not coming out, are you? Sorry, we're not invited. Oh, sorry. I thought we were a part of the network. That we... <laughs> My bad. Just delete I, No, I'm, I'm saying, are you coming out? No. Okay. I, don't, I wasn't planning on it. <laughs> so I have, a call, I have a question for both of you. What was the moment that you fell in love with Disney parks? Like there's a moment or a memory or an experience. You're like, I am all in on what's going on here. Dan, you start. Um, I don't know that it was a moment inside of a park necessarily, but I do remember, you know, really young as a kid, as kids are young, you know, we would do the annual trip to Disneyland and all that kind of stuff. And I was obsessed with it. On the, and I, I wouldn't have said that I was obsessed with it at the time, but I was obsessed with it. And, um, you know, I, I I'm better at being social now, but as a kid, I was awful. Um, and it would take some kind of connection for people to like actually talk to me. And so they all, they all knew that if you just talk to him about Disneyland or ask him questions about the, the latest trip or just it's anything, it would, you know, get me out of my shell and I'd start opening up. And, um, that was just normal to me. But then, and at some point, I think it was sixth grade, um, each one of us had a chance to, you know, do a show and tell and we'd decorate a table that was like – it was like a weird shrine to us in hindsight. And this one kid, his name was Josh. He went before me like a couple weeks before me and he was talking about his deep love of Disney and how he like he collected all this stuff. And I felt this like seething rage inside of me and I was like, no, 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 no. That's not that's, – that's me. That's my identity. How dare you? And so mm-hmm. when I was putting together my presentation, first of all, I was trying to outdo Josh entirely. Um, and But then I realized that everything that I had collected and everything that I had actually cared about in, in relation to Dis- Disney was entirely about the parks. And um, it, was just, it was just a moment where I kind of went, oh, yeah, that I am that person. And I still am right. that person. Yeah. There you go. How about you, Jason? Yeah, I mean, same. I try to outdo Josh. (laughs) We're going to get you, Josh. Josh is a real... Yeah. Yeah, I I don't think it was really like one moment or whatever, but I I, I mean, I'm just going to change a little bit, I guess, and say like uh, what attractions sort of cemented my love for for Disney parks. And I do want to make the differentiation, um, especially if my family ever hears this. I'm a Disneyland fan i'm not necessarily a disney fan oh yeah same here definitely like the the little tinkerbell statue or the little you know mickey spoon is cute but it's not like i don't care about it you know what i love is so i guess what sort of really sold me on disneyland is uh the uh train the the railroad uh the disneyland railroad right and honda mansion to me, when yeah. I think of Disneyland and going to the parks and going to the Disneyland Resort, it's 
specifically those two uh, rides and attractions. And then everything else is like, oh, that would be cool too. But the two things I 100% have to do, and I think that's a good way to sort of gauge that too. It's like, you know, what brings you to the park? Well, what thing, if you left and didn't do, would you be super mm. bummed out about? And for right. me, it's those two things. And and that's my love of, of Disneyland is you can have these two things that that sort of, <clears throat> I don't say like, attract you but i mean that's why they're attractions <laughs> um well done thank you that sort of so, just kind of anchor your love man and and you right. know like that's what you think of when you think of the parks and i think everybody has that one ride in similar fashion right maybe you do you jimmy where you if you when you think of your favorite park do you think yeah. of one ride initially or maybe the entrance or whatever it's it's all it's kind of the fundamentals of this show and, and how we can talk for an hour hour and a half about about details that really make a place different. It, it's not I mean you, you have rides at Six Flags you have rides at Knott's Berry Farm or whatever but there's something uniquely distinct about Disney and growing up at Disneyland you know going there every summer or whatever and then I worked there over a summer and then I got an internship or like a, a little California themed event in Paris. It was a Disneyland Paris thing. And I'd only seen Disneyland and I went to Disneyland Paris and I just started exploring and, and I walked through the castle. I'm just, there's these, all these little trails and this, this kind of labyrinthian things. And, and I walk under and there's a freaking dragon and it's a dragon that's breathing smoke and just comes alive. And like, this is amazing. That's the full immersion and the escape of something like that. It's just something you can't find anywhere else. And then as I learn more and I've been to all the parks around the world and, uh, you know, I'm at Disneyland several times a year. I'm at Disney World. Hell, I go six times this year. And and then like we're going to talk about today with these squares, the amount of detail that goes into something that seems so innocuous and unnecessary becomes so – once you learn about it, it just becomes – it's so immersive that you don't even realize just how good it is. I was at I was in uh, Liberty Square last week, and I'm nerding out because I did all the research for this show, and I'm pointing it all out. It's just, it's I almost got in tears. Like it's just so <laughs> cool what they're doing and what they've done. It's just that's it's it's the it's the total escape and total immersion that that's just that cemented it for me. That Disneyland Paris thing was that was all I needed to in see. In tears, what are you at the Dolphin Show or something? I, it's not a SeaWorld Dolphin show. Not that kind of Jimmy emotion. got to witness no, me. No, no I, I was in tears during the Dolphin show. <laughs> it, all the things you're supposed to do. I'm, a sucker, I'm such a sucker for any yeah. kind of emotion. For dolphins? It, not even dolphins. Just like I am so – I am such a, a sucker for like whatever emotion they're trying to get me to feel. I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm in. I'm going to go for it. <laughs> it's, it's moderately embarrassing but I also kind of like – being able to do that you're you like know. that uh that lady on i forget her name on uh star trek uh the next generation you're an empath yeah that's it <laughs> i'm it's i'm not i'm not insane and broken and <laughs> no no you're just an empath yeah. and you should be third in command that's on right. a starship yeah i just remember jimmy yeah. Yeah, it's, I just it's jimmy at some point like you were you turned to me and you didn't say are you crying? <laughs> but like I can, I can feel you thinking. <laughs> My eyes were saying, "Are you crying?" <laughs> well, it's just you know because you're kind of a robot. So yeah. Um, all right. So I, I want to. I'm excited to talk about. We have a new sponsor on the Ears Up Podcast Network, and it's called Concy Ears. Now, Concy Ears is a really unique. It's a unique organization. So you know, like I go to Disney World all the time. 
Disneyland, and I know it. Like, I know the parks. I know what to do. And, hell, I've planned vacations for people. But what this company does is they they will plan your entire vacation. And there's a, a person you talk to. It's the same person. You call them. You can text them. And they will plan your entire vacation for you. And it doesn't cost anything. Like, like you can be an annual pass holder with a ticket and still use their service. You don't have to buy all the tickets and everything else. It's really cool. And I was reading through the website, and and one of the things that I thought was fantastic is that not only can they you know schedule the things and, and add value by finding you better deals, they do all the research and planning for you. They have a fitness option. Like they'll find how to get your fitness routine while you're on vacation and where you can go and what kind of workout plan at the resort where you're staying, like how you can work out and keep your workout routine. It, it's it's remarkable. I've never seen anything like it. Jason, you know a little bit more yeah, about it, right? Um, and that's that's basically it. I didn't really hit on the fitness uh, you know aspect, which will shock nobody that I uh, right. I'm familiar with. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's really cool, and it's it, you're correct. It does not cost anything above and beyond the actual ticket prices, and the ticket prices that they charge are the same exact prices that you'll get on the Disney website, which is cool. So there's right. no, you know, there's no, oh, well, it's, yeah. you know, 10% more, you know, on, on this side versus Disney or whatever. Right. The, the, the cool part is, like, it, also, if you have to call back, you know, sometimes when you call back to the Disney reservations, like, let's say uh, us three and all of our families and whatever, 20 people are going to the park. Because I'm sure that happens. Like a family reunion, let's say. Right. Go to Disney World. Sure. Um, we're all going to go. We, we buy our tickets. Okay, great. Oh, hey, we want to go. Let's go out to eat. Should we go out to eat? I mean, maybe on the third day or whatever. Okay, let's cool. So you call up the Disney Eats mm-hmm. or whatever the stupid reservation name is. And then you wait on hold right. and you listen to the cool music. And then you tell the person, hi, we're a party of 20. And, you know, well, we do have three people in wheelchairs right. and two people in a jar. And we can't really, you know, do a whole <laughs> lot of stuff. And, and then so you go, okay. And then they give you the options and you book. And then you have to change it. And you got to call back. And you got to go, okay, well, right. here are special circumstances. Mm. You have to tell them over again, but not with concierge because you call them up and then they do like a little interview before, like a 15, 20 minute, maybe half an hour. Just get to know you, chit chat. What are your goals, expectations? Have you ever been to the park? What stuff do you right. really want to do? How many people in your party? All the kind of pertinent information. So then you can just text or email your person, your contact, your specific concierge and saying, hey, we want to now we want to get dinner reservations or can you move the dinner reservation time for this time or this day or whatever. And they'll just do it. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to take time out of your day. They will literally do everything for you. And I love it. I think that's great. They also do Disney cruises. And by the way, just so I don't have to go back for show corrections, that's 407 (laughs) WDW die. But But like if you've never done... So it's good. That's awesome. I'm really excited that they're a part of the network. It seems like a great thing. I think I'm even going to use it, just sheer laziness, right? It's, it seems like a good plan. And I have a cousin named Jerry, and um, he lives in a jar, and so we call him Jari. That's cool. He was a Marine, too, so it fits. So, that's right. <laughs> so he gets that Marine discount. All right, so this episode is also brought to you by those weird chimichangas by the Matterhorn. Whenever you're at Disneyland and you want to feel like you're actually at a sad middle school cafeteria on a rainy day, don't forget that the chimichangas are here for you. We even include a strange off-brand taco sauce that tastes not unlike sweet and sour sauce to add to the confusion. Why do they sell them? Why did you get one again? Is the meat... Is that the meat of retired animatronic characters? 
Matterhorn chimichangas, the entire Pressler era in food form. <laughs> Hold for applause and moving on. So uh, as, as it's become custom, we're going to go through some past show clarifications. The last episode was the slot car episode, and it turns out that we had an actual cast member confirm that Radiator Springs Racers is random, kind of. So the car that takes the right path and gets painted in a, in a, uh, in a variable car. It, so that's the variable car, the one that gets painted on the right. So that one changes how it moves. So the car on the left is always the same. They're running the same program, and that's constant. So the car on the right ultimately decides who wins the race because that one goes a little faster, a little slower one way or the other, but that is random, halfway random. That's so smart because then you don't have to double and up the programming. You get the, you get the same effects, and it's just it's a right. random thing that's against right. a non-random thing, so it's still – the end result is still ultimately random. That's right. And we also talked about crash test dummies and how they're so relevant in the 90s. And in 1993, there was a half-hour television special called The Incredible Crash Test Dummies. And it aired on Fox Kids on May 1st, 1993. So Disney now owns the Crash Test Dummies. Are they Disney princes? (laughs) Disney Plus. (laughs) You know, you can can go and, and request shows to be added on Disney Plus. Oh, I have. It's like through the help. Mm-hmm. It's like through really? the help. Like if you go oh, really? click on your account and then it's help. And then, so it's buried in a couple of like sub menus, but it's definitely there. And you can definitely put input nice. to request shows. So what I'm disappointed in is they didn't have um, like the world of color, you, whatever, not world of color. Mm. You know what I mean? The, the, oh, like the, totally. I didn't even yeah. think to look for the that. specials that Walt that? did that hope pre Disneyland opening. Uh, yeah, all, all that, that kind of stuff. Show. I, I yeah. honestly expected one hundred percent for that to be there, and it was not. They were not there, and I don't know why. I don't know why they're not there. Yeah, and I wonder if it's just something because they got the Imagineering thing, which, by the way, you know, Terrence was bound <laughs> to be right. That thing is awesome. It's really it's cool. really good. Uh, it's good. So uh, the other thing we talked about was Dumb and Dumber and the Crash Test Dummies song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That was in that soundtrack. We talked about that. It is not owned by Disney. It is New Line Cinema, which was purchased by Warner Brothers, Time Warner. So sorry about that. Not yet. One day. One day. Request it for Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Come and dumber. Please buy. <laughs> and watch her in the woods. All right. Today's episode is The Case of the Squares. That's New Orleans v. Liberty. So Dan is going to start first because New Orleans Square started first, and then I will follow with Liberty Square. We're going to go with an overview. We'll talk about the land. We'll talk about the attractions. First, we'll talk about shopping, dining, and then the attractions. We won't go deep dive on the attractions because those are going to be their own episodes. This is just about the land and and its features. So when New Orleans Square gets a point, you will hear this sound. Oh, God. Oh, God. Got it. You will eventually hear this sound. <laughs> yeah, it was. Wow, That's, that sounded exciting. I want that to be the sound now. It's just me going, oh, God, oh, God, as I move my oh mouse God, oh God. <laughs> away from my email. <laughs> and if Liberty Square gets a point, you will hear this sound. There you go, the awesome. old steamboat whistle, boys. Steamboat whistle. All right, Dan, tell us about New Orleans Square. Okay. 
Well, speaking of Disney Plus, a lot of this <laughs> is covered in the Imagineers. Uh, anyway, yes, uh, in nineteen. 19- so turn off the show and watch Imagineers. <laughs> Subscribe to Disney Plus, Disney Plus. today. Um, yeah, in nineteen sixty one, Disney tar- started to were started work on their first new land since the park's opening six years prior. While Frontierland had allusions to the South all throughout it, Walt and his Imagineers decided to make this new land distinctly Southern in order to provide a rich historical setting for their planned attractions themed to pirates and ghosts. New Orleans Square was to be a close recreation of the real New Orleans historic French Quarter with labyrinthine side streets and wrought iron balconies. This is the second time someone said labyrinthine on this episode. Uh, Wrought iron balconies where a functional second story would act as very exclusive space for living and entertaining. The land was originally planned to be mostly about dining and shopping with some walkthrough attractions tacked on as what in some accounts feels like an afterthought. After some amount of construction was done for a pirate-themed walkthrough in the land's basement, Walt decided to put the plans for New Orleans Square on hold. The World's Fair called, and Walt and his Imagineers were about to, with the deep pockets of corporate sponsors, enter into the next phase of what a theme park can be. And there's a lot of that on the show that I talked about. Uh, All of the sponsors Walt worked for at the 1964 World's Fair wanted things to be top of the line, state of the art, and give people from around the world amazing experiences. Every pavilion had something new and innovative in it since Walt could try any of his new ideas, ride systems, or storytelling devices on someone else's dime. This was a perfect storm of a strong... Uh, American economy, a middle class with money to burn, and uh, experimentation of all kinds being in the air, and corporations actually caring about their image. Hmm. Throw in an economic visionary and you – an eccentric – throw in an eccentric visionary and you get what would eventually come to be New Orleans Square. I was reading none of that. Oh, wow. That was all just memorized. Well done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thank you. So – all right. So in 1956, we can't talk about Liberty Square without talking about Liberty Street in Disneyland. So in 1956, just a little over a year, Disneyland opened. They announced the first park expansion. This is before New Orleans Square, by the way. It was supposed to be an expansion off of Town Square called Liberty Street. It was originally called International Street, then tamed down and renamed Liberty Street. Like many unbuilt lands and attractions, ideas never die and oftentimes evolve and lend themselves to more rides, attractions, etc. So Liberty Street's a prime example. I'll leave all the details about the unbuilt Liberty Street for another show, but for now, here are some highlights. Liberty Street was to be fully immerse you in colonial America circa 1775 as heavily influenced by Johnny Tremaine's Boston. In Liberty Street, you could buy items from that era, and at the end of the street, it opened up to Liberty Square complete with a Liberty Tree and other shops and exhibits. But the highlight of this area would be Liberty Hall and the Hall of the Declaration of Independence, which would house the Hall of Presidents of the United States. As so often happened with Walt Disney, the technology wasn't quite up to speed with the ideas, so Liberty Square remained an idea until 1971, where many of these ideas were realized in the form of Liberty Square at Magic Kingdom. So because it was originally Walt's idea, but he was not around to see it fully realized, it may as well be... New Orleans Square. Mic drop? Well, I don't know about that. I mean, <laughs> just saying. I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm grasping at straws here, people. Yeah. Walt, Walt liked Kurt Russell, but that doesn't 
mean Escape from New York is a Disney movie. <laughs> that is a fine analogy, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kurt Russell's in a lot of stuff. Like, he's in that Imagineering show. He's in a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, is he? Damn. So, yeah, the kid's done a lot of work. He has. He has. That I, Kurt I, Russell kid. Wish him well. Overboard's a good movie with Goldie Hawn. Oh. <laughs> Touchstone, right? <laughs> Um, but, you know, uh, Don Knotts is also in a ton of stuff. That's also true. I just want to mention Apple Dumpling Gang. I'm sorry. All right, Dan, tell us a, a little bit more. You, you want to go into the, the land details before we get into the attractions and dining and shopping and stuff? There was a dream suite there. It's now closed. Uh, it's got street names just like a real city does. A real city named New Orleans. They got Royal Street... Orland Street, Front Street, and Esplanade Street. Uh, every building has an address. Uh, oh, there's also a fun uh, Jean Lafitte mega theme that if you go too far down that rabbit hole, you will end up basically turning into the ones and zeros on YouTube. Um, but there's a lot of really interesting stuff because there's, there's – there's, if you look around, there's Jean, Jean Lafitte stuff like all over the place. There's, there's a reference in Pirates of the Caribbean. There's a – uh, a reference. Um, Who is Jean Lafitte? Jean Lafitte? You're not Googling it, are you? <laughs> uh, I'm looking at it. I'm trying to remember, trying to access my. Um, hold on. Yeah, right. It's almost. Dan did very well in high school on tests, I can imagine. <laughs> I did. Uh, so, okay, it's coming to me now. I'm remembering it. Um, Jean Lafitte, uh, he was a French, okay, French, French, pirate. Yes, French, French pirate, that's what it was, uh, and a pi- pri- pirate and privateer, sorry, this part <laughs> of my memory, which is what I'm accessing, oh. is um, in the Gulf of Mexico in the early 19th century. Uh, I, I'm, I'm remembering something about he and his elder brother, Pierre, uh, they spelled their last name Lafitte. I, and that's just something that I feel like I should mention, even though it should be written down. Um, but English language documents of the time. Okay, so that part of my memory is going to be useless because this is an audio medium. That's great. Uh, but it's yeah. there and it's important. And it was just there. Lafitte is believed to have been born earlier, either in Basque French or, oh, let's say the French colony of St. Domingue? Domingue. This part of my memory is really rough. <laughs> I can tell. By 1805, he operated a warehouse in New Orleans to help disperse the goods smuggled by his brother. Um, let's see. What else do I remember? So this is a guy who's who's a real guy, and because he was in New Orleans, that's why he's all over New Orleans Square. It's not like an Imagineer that they just named everything after. Got it. Well, I I will say that he's pretty big in New Orleans too. There's Lafitte's bar. I think there's a Lafitte's bar, which I, if I remember correctly, is one of the oldest bars, if not in New Orleans, in the one of the oldest bars in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a very big part of the lore in New Orleans. So I have a feeling that's probably. Right. has a lot to do with it as well. Right, yeah. Um, the land itself is three acres, which is tiny, um, but it's got a bunch of stuff. It's got uh, parts of the Caribbean, Haunted Mansion, Disneyland Railroad. It's the best place to board the Disneyland Railroad, I believe. 
I don't know if Fantasmic counts, but I'm going to throw it in just to make it sound more awesome. I've got all sorts of restaurants that actually try. Um, not like the others don't, but this, these ones seem to try more. And you got three bands there, uh, Royal Street Bachelors. They do jazz and blues, bootstrappers. They do sea shanties. And Jambalaya Jazz is Dixieland, even though they should play Zydeco because they're called Jambalaya Jazz, but whatever. It's themed after 18th century New Orleans, the first new land. I don't know. What else do you want to know? I don't know. I just have a lot of details in Liberty Square that I want to share with our listeners, whether they're point worthy or not. I think there's a lot of really cool things that I discovered and I want to talk about them. Where the address is like yours or something? Yes. <laughs> so, all right. Well, no need. Dan covered it. <laughs> Let's throw it back to Dan so he can Google some more information. Yes. <laughs> all right. So, New or Liberty Square, excuse me, is the gateway to Frontierland because Frontierland doesn't actually have an entrance to the Magic Kingdom. It uh, doesn't have an entrance off the hub. So if you're moving from north to south in the land in Liberty Square or east to west to support my fact, the building numbers in the land start with the Haunted Mansion in the 1700s block. And it's the architecture was modeled after 1700 era Hudson River Valley, New York. Okay. So as you move further towards Frontierland, the building numbers increase when each building number reflects the year in which that particular style of architecture was popular. So like the Hall of Presidents was late 1700s, right, as it moves a little further along. And then it, it had a Philadelphia style. And then it ends in the Diamond Horseshoe, which is an 1800 block and used St. Louis-style saloon architecture. And St. Louis is the gateway to the west. And the very next building is Frontierland. Boom. <laughs> that's it. Boom, indeed. I'm, that's got to be a point. Um, well, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought points up because um, I feel like, I mean, that's cool, right? The architecture is cool, but you have Jean Lafitte, who's like the hero of the Battle of New Orleans, oh, yeah. who was a spy against the British. The mega thing. You have him peppered all throughout New Orleans Square. You have an anchor, I think, that's supposedly part of his thing, if I remember correctly. Yep, there's an anchor. Yeah, and, you know, I, I feel like, t to me, in, in my heart, if you're replicating, you're replicating an area of the country that has a rich history, you know, uh, and, and, and people are very connected to that, versus you're throwing back to the architecture, which nobody has a connection to except stuffy historians with patches on their elbows and their jackets. Um, if you're, <laughs> you just described Jimmy perf <laughs> perfectly. That's right. If you live in new Orleans and you come to New Orleans square, I think you're going to be reminded of home. But if you go, if you're from Liberty and you go to Liberty street or Liberty square, <laughs> yeah, if you're from colonial America and you go to Liberty street, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. What are you going to be? You know, then it's just like, Oh, it's a history lesson. So I'm going to just go ahead and give one point right now to new Orleans square. I'm going to give right. a couple, a couple, <laughs> couple. Yeah. Just a remix. Right. So, Mine's a remix. Point, so Norland Square does get point a point taken. for that. But that is nice. That's cool that uh, Liberty Street or Liberty Square, what is it called? Tell me the right name because I still don't even know. Liberty Square. Thank you. Um, which should be another point for New Orleans <laughs> Square because it's not New Orleans Street. But um, <clears throat> yeah, it's it's cool. It's cool, but not not cooler than Jean Lafitte. Hero to New Orleans. Okay, it is interesting. It's 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 a fun thing for us to talk about and nerd out about. But I feel like if the 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 dates thing, if I were to go there with say my sister who has a 
passing interest in Disney parks. I w- and if I were to say, hey, you know these de- these dates line up to the architectural style, she'd just be like, okay, we have a fast pass. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was with a group of people last week, and I I, I think your theory is correct. But there's somebody listening to this podcast who will go to Disney World and share this nugget. So totally. for you, yeah. even though the point has, has been awarded, if you look at the numbers of the buildings in the door, like number 24, if you add an 18 in front of it, then you know that that particular architecture was from 1824 and so on and so on. So just wanted to finish my point. All right. <laughs> so then I want to talk about the Liberty Bell. So there is the focal point is Liberty Bell. It's a replica cast mm-hmm. from the mold of the actual Liberty Bell. It was cast in 1989, and so there's an urban legend that falsely claims that it's one of the one of only two bells ever cast from this mold. That's not true. There's a ton of them cast from it. But another urban legend says that every state in 1976 got a cast replica of the Liberty Bell, and because Pennsylvania already had one, they donated it to Disney World. Because they already had one, which is not true because Pennsylvania's replica is in Allentown, PA. Um, and the bell is surrounded by a court of flags representing the 13 original colonies. Hmm. Counter that, bad boy. I will see your bell and I will raise you. Um, hmm. Which one do I want to go with? Okay. New Orleans Square is filled with relics brought back from New Orleans. It's very self. Wow. Not replicas. Of relics, actual relics brought back from actual New Orleans by Walt Disney and his wife Lillian. Was one of them a petrified tree? Mm, no. Oh, that's Frontierland, isn't it? Well, and that's also kind of thing. Yeah, that's Frontierland. And uh, yeah, so there's actual stuff from actual New Orleans that was purchased by actual Lillian, actual Disney. <laughs> Actuality. Are those marked by any chance? Um, if I were better at doing this, I would have looked into that, but I'm not sure. Mm. Do you mean like mafia, like they're a marked man and they're going to get killed? <laughs> okay. That's what I thought. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, anytime someone from the, the family is to go to Disneyland, they're supposed to shoot <laughs> or That's break it. those yeah. uh, artifacts. No, I just like it. It'd be fun if they were. If they, it'd be yeah. fun if they were labeled. That's all. That, that's, I don't that's think that true. they are. But I'm I asking think... that question. And I probably know the answer, but it would it would be kind of fun to know that which of these are actually were purchased by the yeah. Disney family. It know? would take away. It would be, but I think it would feel yeah. less lived in. Yeah, I agree. It would, it would be more of a, a museum than uh, than an immersive anything. experience. Yeah, I agree. It would be more like uh, Liberty yeah. Square is what we're getting at. Oh, got him. Roasted. The largest living thing in Liberty Square is the Liberty Tree. It's over 130 years old, and it's the the oldest living thing in Disney World. Okay? So it's 40 feet tall. It was originally by – it was originally in the land where Animal Kingdom is, and they moved it. So Bill Evans, who is the main man responsible for much of the landscape at Disneyland, like the Jungle Cruise, he had to figure out how to move it without killing it. So long story short, they figured it out, and it's still alive today. And the success was so significant that this tree, the Liberty Tree in in Liberty Square, is the logo for Disney horticulture because it was such an impressive feat. Speaking of feet, have you heard of Jean Lafitte, who's the pirate <laughs> from New Orleans? <laughs> no, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to crank out a couple steamboat whistles on that one. That's a pretty good one. 
That's Sweet. not too bad. I mean, I I guess cool. I didn't really realize that they had moved the tree or that it was even a th- I don't know. Uh, but I guess that's sort of the Yeah, it's not an easy thing to do. No, and I think that's sort of like the da- if there's a downside to being an imagineer, this is probably one of them maybe is that your whole job is to make it look like you didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that's got to be pretty hard. I've got another yep. Bill Evans uh, deep cut. When uh, Pershing Square in downtown Los Angeles was being relandscaped in the 60s, Bill Evans salvaged some of the park's trees to be replanted in the developing new land. So I'm not really asking for a point, but if one should happen to like fall out of you in my direction, mm-hmm. I, w- be, I wouldn't I will be sure to look in your direction to, for falling points. <laughs> <laughs> In the poem, Paul Revere's Ride by Henry Longfellow, it features a line, one if by land and two if by sea. Now, you may not know what that means, but what this refers to is the lantern signal that would, be, would alert the villagers of invading forces and from where they're advancing. So there's homage paid to this line in one of the windows alongside the Hall of Presidents where there are two lanterns in the top window. And if one is lit, they're coming by land. If two, by sea. Speaking of by sea... Um, Are you going to talk about Jean Lafitte coming in by sea? <laughs> I'm going to talk about the ship sails that you can see. Ooh. Huh? Ah. Double, double that. Uh, if you look at, if you look at uh, New Orleans Square from a distance, from just the right angle, you can see that there are uh, ship sails that are actually just on top of a building, but it looks like uh, a ship is like in a port. Some people can see it. Take that, Paul Revere. And are those hiding speakers or lights from Fantasmic? Is that what those are there for? I don't think that they would be effective if they are because they're kind of like so deep into the land. Um, but if it gets me a point, then absolutely. <laughs> uh, I don't think that they are either, to be honest, because I think you're right, Dan. They're so far back. I and mean, I think they predate mm. Fantasmic. Yeah, yeah. And I think speakers there would just be so, uh, you know, by the time they reach where you're viewing Fantasmic, right. a delay would be so weird. So I think they're just there literally to make it look like you're in a port. So if you catch it at the right time or if you're uh, maybe riding on mm-hmm. the top deck of Mark Twain, mm-hmm. you can kind of see him. Yeah. Well, I, it's I, one of those it, details. It wouldn't surprise me, honestly, if like some super detail-oriented Imagineer was like, "Yeah, we could put speakers in here for Fantasmic, so like we can hear a ghost during the Nine on Bald Mountain sequence." Right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> All right. So I wouldn't talk about this if Jason wasn't here, but there was a Muppet show in Liberty Square called "Great Moments in History," <laughs> and the theme song went, "Great Careful. moments in history, but the only the American ones." Great moments in history, but just the American ones. Uh, Sam Eagle. Anyway, I wouldn't talk about that otherwise. So that that's st- so that's still yeah, there, right? It's gone. Budget done. Mm. Budget? Yeah, yeah. Well, mm. They got Somebody's got to pay. You for know it. what is still? You know what's still at the uh, New Orleans Square? Oh. It's three bands, and they've actually added. They've actually added bands rather than taking them away. So you're saying they're increasing their entertainment budget just saying you know rather rather than adding yeah and rather than increasing the entertainment with something good and that people love and then taking it away they have they've they've added and kept it was the muppet thing the only 
entertainment that is in Liberty Square. I mean, you've got some street characters, but yeah, that's the only kind of show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, got some dumb I colonists. Mean, I hate to say it, because you can still get you can still get Muppets merch, though. Yeah, well, that's cool, I guess. But like, you know, part of the lure of of going to some of these parks is what to do when everything's super busy or you don't want to ride a ride. Let's say your back hurts, or your sciatica is acting up. Um, mm-hmm. You can you can watch the jazz band or the str- the bootstrappers or whatever, and it sounds like in Liberty Square you can get harassed by a <laughs> you know community theater dropout. Well, and, and I'm I'm glad you're speaking of harassment. You can get a photo op where you can pose in the stocks that were used in colonial times to put criminals on display, <laughs> or like for the town to see and throw stuff at. I guess <laughs> I have a picture of myself in that very thing. There you go. Dan in the land gets a point. <laughs> no, no, well, it's not right. up to me. So, the other cool thing, so the, the this is all very realistic colonial time stuff, and the next couple of points are really going to be about uh, about just the, the level of detail that makes me such a Disney Parks fan. And one of them is the shutters in the land. None of the shutters are are vertical; they're all kind of wonky, a little off because they're hung with leather straps. And the reason why is during colonial times, during the, the revolution. All the metal that would normally hold up the shutters was used for ammunition, so everything was hung with leather and that stretches, and so all of the shutters throughout the land are all just a little off kilter because they're not hung with metal. So what it sounds like to me is that they did the theming right. They did theming right. (laughs) Um, Can I counter that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, We talked about the train station, and uh, you might have heard clicking behind the – train whistle sound and that is because at the train station at New Orleans Square um, there's a um, telegraph cable office where a paraphrased portion of Walt Disney's opening day speech from nineteen from July 17th 1955 can be heard in Morse code uh, the telegraph message is just over a minute long and decoded it says to all who come to Disneyland welcome here age relives fond memories of the past, and here youth may savor the challenge and promise of the future. That's extra. That's not just doing theming right. That's adding to the theming that you've already done right. And for all those who are screaming at your devices, for all who, for all who come to this happy place, welcome. Right, but it's, it's, it's uh, paraphrased. Okay, I see. Oh, it's, it's paraphrased in the thing, so it actually says Disneyland. Right, because, it, there, because there's no context for it. Like if they were just okay. saying – if it was just uh, for, for all to, to, to all to come to this happy place, they'd be like, what the – I mean if someone was able to translate Morse code in real time, they would sit there and go, well, that's strange. My Morse code device in my head is telling me that I'm being welcomed to the train station. Right. Yeah. That's at track. Right. Uh, you know, you I think, think that's interesting because I've always understood it to be Walt's opening day speech. Which it is. It essentially is. But it's – but it's not but, – but without the changes because if you change it, then it's not. But it sort of is. I didn't know that it was the change. I thought it was verbatim his actual speech. So, Well, except for that edit, it is. And, and I mean if I'm being really honest, I got that off of – I mean so. he can't even back um, up his facts here. Let me ask you. Let, let me – OK. So let me ask you. Would it get the point if it was the f- actual full thing and not get the point if it was paraphrased? Well, I don't know. I feel like the fact that you're chasing a point 
<laughs> instead of trying to make it good. Yeah. Uh, well, but you know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> it is I think good. You though. guys are sort of right. If you translate it literally to all who come to this happy place, the train tracks uh, by Haunted Mansion, welcome. Like, it, it sounds weird. But maybe in context of we're replaying Walt's opening day speech and it's just a little bit of history in this area, maybe it isn't so weird. So I don't know that. I don't think it would get a point either way, um, but it's different. I'll tell you that. Well done, Judge. All right, so <laughs> I'm going to move on. Thank you. I, I was. I'm a tough yeah. judge, man. I'm not throwing out it's points everywhere, like some other judges on the show. So I was holding this for the last. I was holding this. I was keeping it in my back pocket, but in the center of the red walkway throughout the land is a brown paved river of sorts. So during this time of colonial America, where there was no indoor plumbing, human waste was thrown out of the window onto the streets, and we'd create a river of sorts of human waste. And we have that lovely reminder right here in our beloved land with a river of poop. Which, by the way, should be the title of the nighttime show at Animal Kingdom instead of Rivers of Light, because it would be Rivers of Poop, because it's crap. That show is crap. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and because there was no indoor plumbing at the time, there are no public restrooms in the land. The restaurants have to have them because it's code. But they're so far back that technically the restrooms are set in Frontierland, mm-hmm. Fantasyland. So there are no public restrooms, as have been proven last week when I was there and needed to go. So, so I just went in the street because it was already there. Do we get a point for cruel imagineering? Well, so we are getting a point here. Blowing that steam whistle. Uh, because I do like that sort of level of detail where it's disgusting and gross yeah. <laughs> and thoroughly unnecessary, but someone did it and someone got the approval from Disney to have a poop joke totally mm. in the in, through the entire lid. That is cool. But I, at the same time, I'm sort of going to give New Orleans Square a point. I'm going to blow this train. Wah, 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 wah. Because they have a bathroom. Uh, mm. it, and it's the smallest and I don't bathroom care. of all time. And it smells. It doesn't matter. It's a bathroom and it's functional. It's actually a, it's a long bathroom. Um, but I don't care how detailed you want to be in your Imagineering. Give me a place to go to the restroom. I like you know, Understandably... You want to keep everybody to the same, oh, you know, you're really in the 1700s or whatever. But as soon as my bladder fills up, yeah, I have to go, you know, to – I have to take my backpack off and refill my disposable – or my neoprene water bottle or my Nalgene water bottle and then go to the restroom with indoor plumbing. Like I'm not – I'm not – yeah, I don't need to go that far. So uh, currently, New Orleans Square 3, Liberty Street Square 2. All right. Nice. All right. So let's move on to shopping. Well, shopping, dining, and attractions. Dan, go ahead with shopping. Okay. So for shopping, you got uh, somewhere in here are my notes. You got uh, the crystal shop where you can get your crystal stuff. Um, you have – You know, your crystal stuff. <laughs> Honey, I'll be back. I have to do my crystal shopping. You get my shopping. crystal stuff. Uh, you got uh, – the, the, the main – the thing that I find really uh, charming about the shops here is you have – the uh, Antoinette's Parfumery? I know I said that wrong. Um, where sure. that's, that's that thing's been right. around forever. Yeah, really? That's where cool. Jason gets his sense. Yes. That's true. I did. I, I got my Sauvage. You can, you can you know, design your own sense. New Orleans Square has a history of having a lot more 
unique and interesting shops like all the lands used to that were you know very specifically themed to the land. Uh, it still has a crystal shop. It has still has a uh, Pirates of the Caribbean gift shop, basically pieces of eight. Um, it, there used to be the one of a kind shop, which was a uh, antique shop because uh, Walt's wife Lillian. Um, really enjoyed collecting antiques, and many of them are in the land itself. Uh, but yeah, uh, we also have uh, Baton, Baton Rouge, which is uh, uh, where are they selling there now? They've sold, sold all sorts of different stuff there. Um, they sell dresses now. Yeah, they sell dresses. Uh, and we, there's a there's a sh- uh, cooking store where the one of a kind shop used to be, um, but. The thing that I, I find really re- unique about this land is it, it has held on to two of those shops that were y- unique to the land that they used to have in all sorts of other lands. Like, you know, Frontier, Frontierland actually sold like leather goods and stuff, not that kind, but like <laughs> cowboy kind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on in. Um, so that's kind of the the theme around the shops. Uh, those two are the the really unique ones. Um, what do you have like a Donna Mansion or something? Yeah. So like New Orleans Square, you can get customized parasols in Liberty Square. You can get mm-hmm. silhouette, silhouettes. And Memento Mori is a dedicated haunted mansion store. Like all haunted mansion merch all the time. And my favorite is the ye old Christmas shop. So you can. Christmas shop all year long, which is, you know, wonderful. But you'll notice that the shop is housed in what looks like three different buildings. It was designed specifically like this to look like three storefronts coming together to celebrate Christmas in their own unique way. So the first is a farmhouse. It's owned by a Pennsylvania Dutch family, and the name is Keppel, and that sign is on the outside. And Keppel Disney was Walt's paternal grandfather's name. Fun detail. The second storefront is a woodworker, and the third storefront is a music teacher's home. And there's a sign held up by a treble clef symbol advertising the lessons offered by one Ichabod Crane. Ichabod Crane is, of course, the legend of Sleepy Hollow, which is directly across the street from this is Sleepy Hollow Refreshments. And the building that houses Sleepy Hollow Refreshments is modeled after the house of William Irving, the author of that very story. Mm. Boom. Hmm. I mean, that's cool. Yeah. Did they even have parasols back then in like the 1700s colonial America? <laughs> I feel like that's an excellent I mean, point. They were invented. Yeah, yeah, 1700s colonial America where they invented parasols. Hence, hence I, the I name parasol. Oh, no, that's Probably. right. Uh, it's, pa- it's a short for patriot. Patriots, <laughs> us all. Parasol. Yes. You can also get a portrait of yourself or of anyone else made in New Orleans Square. Uh, caricatures. Mm-hmm. Yes. We have a couple character people. Well, if you call them portraits, they sound a lot more classic. Uh, well, that's true. Um, okay, well, I'll tell you what. I am going to blow the old steam whistle here because I do like the fact that that Memento Mori store is pretty tight. That uh, is a very cool area. But is that in Liberty Square? Yes. It's part Northern, of Liberty Square? Yeah, it is. Hunter Mansion is in Liberty Square. 
Uh, interesting. Uh, yeah, th- so I I do like that place. That was one of the better shops because, as you guys know, and I've talked about on the other dumb shows, uh, th- the merch there was like no merch to be found in di- when we went to Disney World. Like everything was just terrible or non-existent. But uh, Memento Mori was uh, was pretty cool, so I I did appreciate that. So now we're tied. Boys. I accept. So we're gonna move on to yeah. dining. Wait, I, I have also a very okay. Well, this doesn't fall into shopping, but I want to get a point. Um, so, <laughs> I do want to point out that New Orleans Square, because it's like a beloved land with an air of mystery and a hint of darkness, um, tends to be a land that imaginaries really like to enhance and add things to, like little details. Like there's the pirate booty, and and um, you know they recently. In the long scheme of time, added uh, audio characters to the uh, the windows in the the top level by the French market. Oh, cool! Uh, yeah, and I mean, I think it's like someone doing like voodoo magic or something. Like the evil villain from the New Orleans movie. Got it. Le, Le Cellier or whatever his name is. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Whatever. Moving on. What? Le Cellier? <laughs> Isn't that be. a restaurant in Epcot Center? Yes, it is. <laughs> and people are screaming at their devices because <laughs> I don't remember what his name is. All right. So you want to talk about dining? Yeah, sure. Uh, dining. We got Cafe Orleans where you can get, among other things, I just went to the menu and kind of found the stuff that's stands out as more uniquely New Orleans square-ish. At Cafe Orleans, you can get Monte Cristo, which is delicious. Muffaletta chopped salad, shrimp and grits. And they uh, also at the French Market, where they have live jazz with a band on a stage that the stage goes down into the ground and they disappear forever, and it's awesome. They got shrimp po'boy, jambalaya, and at the Royal Street Veranda, you can get your chowder or gumbo in a bread bowl. I prefer the chowder. And then you go over to the French Market and you eat all the stuff out of the, bell, out of the bowl. And you go grab some condiments from their amazing condiment stand and you condiment up that bread. Anyway, Royal Street Veranda, uh, I just mentioned, but I'm going to make it sound like I'm putting an emphasis on how great that is. Mint Julep Bar is also at the French Market. Uh, which is – it's there. They have things and they call one of them a mint julep. Um, but the main thing that makes New Orleans Square awesome as far as a restaurant goes is the Blue Bayou. It is inside of an attraction that you might have heard of called Pirates of the Caribbean uh, where you are – in a bayou, hence the name. Sometimes there is also live music in there, and it is su- su- superbly themed. It is a f- wonderful experience, and the food is about as good as you're going to get in a Disney park. And um, you get to watch people go by on the boat to their impending doom on Pirates of the Caribbean. Shares a kitchen with Club Thirty Three, no? Yeah. You're you're the one in charge of corrections, so yes. Princess and the Frog is the movie, and the villain is Dr. Facilier, not Le Cellier, the steakhouse <laughs> from Epcot. <clears throat> All right. Right. So in Liberty Square, the Liberty Tree Tavern has Pot a... Pot roast. ...has a family all-you-can-eat meal. That's full service. The Columbia Harbor House, you can get fried fish. 
The Sleepy Hollow offers snacks like sweet fried chicken stuffed waffle sandwiches as waffle cakes and foot-long corn dogs. The Diamond Horseshoe, where you can get cowboy macaroni, complete with brisket-covered mac and cheese and jalapeno cornbread. Or for a light snack, you can go to Liberty Square Market, where you can get a turkey leg or an all-beef hot dog. And in an unrelated story, obesity in the United States is a major health issue, resulting in numerous diseases, specifically increased risk of certain types of cancer, coronary artery disease, type 2 diabetes, stroke, as well as significant increases in early mortality and economic costs. All those genuine colonial cornbread or uh, corn dogs. That's right. And brisket covered mac and cheese. The um, diamond horseshoe or whatever is part of... Liberty Square. Street? It is the end of Liberty Square in a St. Louis themed saloon building, which is the gateway to the West. Then you go to Frontierland. Yeah, but isn't it? Wouldn't it be Frontierland? Yeah. Like, do they do colonial stuff or do they do cowboy stuff? Isn't the diamond? Isn't that that's Frontierland, right? That's Frontierland. If we're going to count that as where's, where's yeah, my app? I self corrected on Fantasmic. And that is not in my nature. Jimmy's over here trying to just you trying to push stuff if you, in. If Look you go to point. my Disney Experience app, <laughs> you'll see that the Diamond Horseshoe is in Liberty Square. What? Uh, Why? I don't know. But maybe someone who was putting the app together is just like you and made a mistake. It, or maybe it's even worse, and we need to take a point because that's bad theming. I guess. All right, make your judgment. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 you got to admit though, it's weird, right? Like nothing says less about colonial America than St. Louis. I don't know, <laughs> right? Give, you know what? Well, I guess I guess the antebellum South says less about colonial, but yeah, it's, yeah, the point stands. All right, give give New Orleans Square a point. Move on for what? I didn't give anybody a point. <laughs> I try to give points away. Uh, restaurants, um, restaurants. Yeah, I mean, New Orleans Square does actually get a point for restaurants because although the Blue Bayou, I haven't been in a while, um, I don't remember the food being all that great, and it's very expensive. It is the probably the most unique dining experience you're ever going to get anywhere. Yeah, I would I would fully agree with that. Right. That's why I kind of made mine a little jokey because it's just a lot of unhealthy food you can get. But yeah, I I would accept that point. Well, I think part of the reason why I love the Blue Bayou so much is like you, we were talking about when you fell in love with Disney parks. I yeah. remember I went to Disneyland as, as a teenager with another teenager because that's what you do. And um, his family was basically like, give them the card, the card, do what you want, have fun. And he was having a real relaxed time. We went to the, you know, we did we went on, the, went on the train and at the time I was really all about like okay we're gonna do this cool ride this cool ride this cool ride then we're gonna do the tiki room because it's funny and then this cool ride and then he he was saying I want to have lunch at the Blue Bayou and I was I was steaming because there's we're wasting time here but then like ten minutes into sitting down it just hit me that this is beautiful. And I yep. went from becoming a a child sort of mentality going th to a theme park to like, oh, this can be an experience. And that's that's right. where it happened. Yeah. And that's where he kissed you. Yes. And we both you. had a, a crab cake in our mouth. And <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> like a lady in the tramp crab cake moment. You just 
yes, each other in yes, the middle? Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we said we'd like to lady in the tramp this crab cake. And the staff said, <laughs> okay, well, I'll just first. hold it between you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the Disney magic that we're all... And they were playing a Dixie version of Bella Notte. <laughs> yep. So moving on to attractions. I think this is our final category. Mm-hmm. Um, my uh, land doesn't feature any uh, political figures that are divisive, first of all. Um, I don't know. Lafitte was <laughs> – I'm divided by Lafitte. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Jimmy, I get the impression Jimmy's very much a British imperialist. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, the only Lafitte that should be in that are Lef- dirty feet at the, at the Pirates of the Caribbean. Got right? Lafitte leaving <laughs> the land. Uh, uh, so we got a, a few minor attractions that you might have heard of. One is called the Disneyland Railroad. As I said, it's the best. This land is the best place to board because you don't have to deal with that weird, uh, just empty nothingness in between Main Street and uh, New Orleans Square. You just hop on there and you go around, get off on Main Street, and you're back. Um, we got also a little something you might have heard of called uh, the Haunted Mansion. And oh, what's this? Pirates of the Caribbean as well. Point, please. All right. Before you award that point, yes, there are. there is the Hall of Presidents, which is a Walt Disney original idea, mm-hmm. and we'll get into the details of it, but it's modeled after Independence Hall in Philadelphia, and the official great seal of the United States of America is like act of Congress in this attraction, and it's one of only three allowed by Congress to be displayed. It's here at Disney World where the actual Liberty Bell is housed and the Oval Office. Those are the only three places to have that seal. And then the Liberty Bell Riverboat is also in Liberty Square. It originally was called the Richard F. Irvine, one of the original Imagineers, right? Until the Liberty Bell replaced it in 1996. But rest assured, you can still ride the Richard F. Irvine as a ferry between the Magic Kingdom and the Transportation and Ticket Center. And finally, the Haunted Mansion. And like all the other stuff we talked about, we'll talk about more detail on another show. But for now, we have a haunted mansion, which anchors the land. Those are the three attractions in Liberty Square. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's the haunted mansion. Uh, first of all, I will disagree with uh, with Dan that the best place to board the train is at Main Street Station. Because really, theming. yeah, well, the theming. I don't mind. I mean, okay, I get that. I get that. You know what I mean? There's all that kind of stuff. There's a little toy train. There's all the kind of stuff, and and that's what Disneyland is for. And you board on the train. You do the circle tour. You can't start the circle tour at 25 degrees and then go all the way around and then end up, um, you know. And that little weird stretch there, whatever. Yeah, who cares? It's not that. I mean, there's something cool to see. There's like little Mardi Gras masks uh, as you approach the thing. So there is something. And I guess you it just see all the on people the... coming in, and that's kind of fun too. And so bored there, I right. disagree with that. I think for me, I get that from exiting the train there, but I also i I get I, I'm not like a 100 anti boarding the train there. It's yeah. just I don't like that stretch. However, if it's a busy day, the <laughs> New Orleans Square station is 
usually the busiest one from yes, my experience. For sure. So I will definitely board at Main Street. Yeah, but how do you have like what 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 do you have against that little stretch? Because you are very anti-stretch. It's just it's just weird that they put so much thought and effort into everything but that. I like it, 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 they put yeah they put some masks masks there and that's that's fun. It's just there's so little space there that it just feels like an afterthought to me. Oh. And it's and it's also fun for me to, you know, be upset about things that are completely irrational that's and stupid true. as, you know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I need to go ahead and give a point here for attractions because I mean it's it's haunted it's haunted mansion. It's haunted mansion. And that's the, the thing. It's haunted mansion. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Well, they both have a haunted mansion. So they, they, they both have a haunted mansion, but there's only one haunted mansion, and you know what I'm talking oh. about. It's haunted mansion. Right. It's the haunted right. mansion. Yeah. The stretch room goes down instead of up. Yeah, right. I don't know if it goes up, but that's. Fine. I mean, it's not the a room. It, doesn't. It's go not up. an elevator down. Up. Yeah, that's for sure. That's right. 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 Yeah. And but, as I learned. Jason, from my wedding, uh, a circle has no beginning and no end. <laughs> so you can, yeah. in fact, make a grand circle tour from any point. You can, well, <laughs> you can make a tour, but is it grand if you if you don't start and stop at the best place? Anyway, you you made your point. Uh, yeah, I, point the, New Orleans. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and that that's one of those places where I'm probably wrong. It's just a very specific to me sort of oh no you're wrong i'm just making fun of you for it because it's just weird yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right well so that's all we got jason what's the final tally well um this will shock nobody because everybody who's anybody understands that the better uh square is new orleans square with a score of five to three wow Mm. not a shutout so Dominant. Well, I, so I agree to to for all the reasons you'd mentioned. Good, because you, you have no choice. And I think the most the most significant thing about this particular episode is is Liberty Square is kind of a throwaway land, you know, for most people. But knowing those intimate details and the thought that went into this thing, I think, mm-hmm. is really important for our listeners to to hear and understand and and really help appreciate why this particular land and why Disney parks are so significant to so many people and ultimately trying to figure out which is better between Disneyland and Disney world. You know, again, I, th- I think it's an elusive answer and I don't, you'll, you'll probably never get a person who's only been to Disney world once to say it's better or, or vice versa, but Disney parks are just better. Right. And, and I think that the, that's the significance of these conversations. So I appreciate you joining along the journey, Jason. Right. It was, it was great to have you. Of course. All right. Well, thank you, Jason, for joining us on this part of the journey. We'll be back next time with Jeremy, our third host. And if you would like to please join us in this conversation, find us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and email us at Jimmy at ears up hyphen podcast.com. Dan at ears up hyphen podcast.com and Spectro Jeremy has a Twitter account that uh, listen back to another episode to find out what that is because he's not here to share it. And if you want to talk to Jason, you know, he's Jason at ears up hyphen podcast.com and please listen to the other shows on this fine network. That's ears up podcast. That's ears up in depth and sabers and superpowers that just had a new episode launch recently, right? That's right. Yeah, it's coming back. I have to wait 
until dumb Anthony <laughs> clears it with his legal department at work. But yes, <laughs> right. it's, uh, it's coming back. It. Yeah, good. Yeah. And support us uh, in several ways, including going to patreon.com forward slash ears up podcast to support this network and get more great content. And until next time, have a wonderful day. Have a great week. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. Bye.